Well, one of my trail buddies joins me today, but he does more than just walk. Oh, he walks, he runs, he rides. John Hankins has recently done a solo four-day, 370-mile ride down the East Coast Greenway from Portland, Maine to Willimantic, so we thought we'd talk about that. In June, he rode the 208-mile length of Vermont with a friend from Chaplin in a single day, and he and his wife Beth completed the goal to do a 100-mile ride in every state by completing that distance in Hawaii in November. Lots to talk about as we join John Hankins this morning. John, good to catch up with you this morning, and I would imagine that you'll be taking advantage of nice weather to go out and take a ride today. Hi, good morning, Wayne. Great to be back on the show. Yes, after I hang up, I'm hitting the rail line. Yep. All right, so let's get some details here on some of the cool stuff that you've done, including your recent solo four-day, 370-mile ride down the East Coast Greenway. Portland, Maine to Willimantic. What was that experience like? Give me some of the highlights. Well, the highlights started. My wife and I were out in Putnam on a bike ride, ran into two uh, two gentlemen that were very happy with themselves. They had just they had just done the same trip. They were in Putnam and they'd come all the way down from Maine. That kind of that kind of grabbed my imagination. So the next time I went up to Maine with my wife to visit my mom, um, I said, "Drop me off in Portland. I'm riding home." And uh, and it took four days and three nights, and uh, I got to see a little bit about uh, a little bit of what the East Coast Greenway really is um, when you do a longer trip. I was familiar with it in this area, um, but I had hadn't didn't have a good concept of what it was um, throughout the rest of New England. So that's why I wanted to give it a shot. So around here, the portions of the East Coast Greenway would include basically crushed stone trails. I'm assuming part of your 370-mile ride was not done on crushed stone trails. Yeah, that's right. The, the trail varies quite a bit. Um, the East Coast Greenway is just really a collection of individual segments, um, largely managed by the towns through which the trail passes. So some trails, are, some towns are all in. You get over to Rhode Island and the Blackstone River Greenway, which is part of the East Coast River, uh, East Coast Greenway, is uh, all paved and beautiful. Um, you can take a road bike on it and go 20 miles an hour if you want and you're able. Other sections are quite a bit rougher. Um, sometimes some of, some of the towns don't pay a lot of attention to the trail, um, and they can they can be uh, considerably rougher. So. Um, I used a I used a tire with relatively wide tires uh, so that so that my bike could handle anything anything that the trail threw at me. And I enjoyed the takeaways that you put on Facebook. What you learned from that bike ride on the East Coast Greenway, among other things, how you can, how you should, and how you should not plan on using a GPS to navigate. Yeah, I really felt like I would have been lost without it because the in in some places the trail is very very well marked. Um, you're on a you're on what looks like a bike path and it and it goes for miles and there's there's absolutely no way to get off of it. Then you get to a spot where it just the trail dumps you onto a road. Um, there's an there's an on road section that you need to do and in in some cases you get to an intersection. And you really wouldn't know which way to turn unless you had some help, either a, either a paper map or a, a GPS, much like the GPS you'd use in your car. Um, you can get those to put on your bike handlebars. And you can. the way I was able to do it was to download the route off of the East Coast Greenway Alliance website, and that had a, 
that had a very accurate turn-by-turn um, navigational tool. And if anyone was going to do something like this, I'd suggest that they, they, they get a GPS and download that map. But that's the best way to do it. Did Tom Bodet leave the light on for you? <laughs> I, I, uh, you do. The way I did the trip was I did stay in, uh, I did stay in hotels, so I wouldn't have to carry, uh, you know, forty or fifty pounds of gear. Um, I've done trips that way as well, but I wasn't sure what the camping situation would be, you know, in the area between Portsmouth, Portsmouth, uh, Worcester. Boston, and the trail went through all Providence. The trail went through all those towns, and I was not sure I was going to find good camping accommodation. So I did it the easy way this time. Does the East Coast Greenway go right through downtown Boston? Yes. You know that hotel that uh, on, on the Mass Pike that sits up over the road on your way to Fenway Park? Yeah, it used to be a Sheridan. I don't know what it is now. I stayed there, <laughs> which wasn't too far from the, the Charles River where, where the the uh, East Coast Greenway passes right down the Charles River Trail. So a bit pricey to stay in Boston at that hotel, but that was that was the best I could do. And then you stayed at a bargain basement hotel, and that was delightful, wasn't it? Yeah, I stayed at, I stayed at a place. I, I looked at it for a cheaper hotel in Providence, found something for 90 bucks, which was about a little less than half the price of the next cheapest one. And it uh, the door en- entering the hotel said, palm reading there was no indication that it was a hotel but i i knew there's a palm reader in there and uh i had gotten instructions that that was that was indeed the door to go into did you get your palm read i did not i did not so of your 370 miles in four days what stands out as the highlight by that i mean what was the most spectacular thing that you saw on this great ride i would say and i got a good picture of it I hit the, um, I, was, I was going down the, um, I guess what you call the North Shore of Boston, um, and so probably still about 15 miles away from Boston, and I came uh, across a, a body of water that was, so I could get a good view, and the Boston skyline was just lit up, and that, that, was, a, that was a nifty thing for me to see on the way down. This was in May, I believe. What was the weather like, and how did you beat any kind of uh, hot conditions if they had those in May? I had a couple of sort of wet, dreary days. Um, we haven't had those recently here, but um, believe it or not, it happens. Um, and those were okay. I just, I just wore, uh, it was just drizzling a little bit. That was fine. That wasn't bad bike weather. And then toward the end of the trip, it got warmer. So the weather for me wasn't really a factor. And of that 370 miles, how much of it is actual trail like we know around here? Meaning, what percentage of that portion is completed when it comes to the East Coast Greenway? It was probably something like between a third and a half completed. And I know you well enough to know this may not be your first time on all or part of that trail. Are you seeing progress when it comes to the completion or at least additional work being done on the East Coast Greenway? Yeah, it's from what I can see, there's progress all the time. And who do you see on it? Is it primarily bikers? Do you see runners? Do you see walkers? Is it like the trails around here? Yeah, I would say it was really all of the above. Um, I saw plenty of bikers, plenty of walkers. It probably runs um, at least two or three to one people walking on the trail versus biking. Um, I did see some evidence of people doing long-distance trips. Um, you know, people with fully, fully loaded bikes, tents, camp stoves, food, the whole, the whole deal. 
um, loaded up. And I know that and as I ride around here, and you may have run into it, Wayne, yourself out on the airline, you'll run into people with fully loaded bikes. And it's when you see that, and if you can get them to stop or talk to you, it's fun to talk to people about where they've come from. Um, I've run into people from Nova Scotia on their way to Key West, for instance. Um, I, it's, it's very common to see people on, on trips that are truly long distance on the, on the East Coast Greenway. That, that's something you didn't see so much five years ago, but, but that's starting to really become a reality, much like the, the people that are hiking the Appalachian Trail. The, the full transit of the 3,000 miles of the East Coast Greenway has become a thing. Oh, I love that. So you did 370 miles in four days. If I did 370 miles in four days, I probably couldn't walk for a month. So you got home after doing 370 miles. How'd you feel? Anything hurt? Uh, yeah, when you, you do that many miles in four days, you're ready to get off your bike for sure. Um, but I've, I've got enough miles on my legs, and I took it easy enough that that was, uh, that was sort of uh, within the range of things I could do, I could do okay. I was I was comfortable with it. Of course, that was 370 miles in four days. You eventually, a month later, last June, did the 208 mile length of Vermont with a friend from Chaplin in a single day. Okay, give me the geography. Where'd you start? Where'd you finish? And how'd you pull off 208 miles in one day? Is it all downhill? <laughs> You'd like to think going south is downhill. It didn't quite work out that way. The uh, that's, an, that's sort of a loosely organized event that's been going on for uh, since the mid-'80s. And uh, it's just, it, there's no entry fee, there's no rules, it's just a bunch of people gather it right at the Customs House near Jay Peak in Vermont and uh, start at the crack of dawn, 5 a.m., ready, set, go, and everybody gets on their bike and rides and doesn't stop until they get to the Massachusetts border. Took took us about... 14 hours or so. So we were able to finish it with about an hour of light to spare. Uh, up over southern Vermont's got some big hills. Killington, Mount Snow, you've probably heard of those. And uh, one particularly nasty climb after 150 miles called Terrible Mountain, which, uh, which will live in infamy in all of our minds of those, that, that us did, uh, those of us that did the ride. Of course, you've got a great soulmate in your wife, Beth, who also does a lot of your rides with you. Tell me about the goal you had to do a 100-mile ride in every state, and you completed that distance in November in Hawaii. Tell me about the Hawaii ride. Yeah, the, the, um, the riding 100 miles is sort of the marathon for, for, for road cyclists, right? So we had done a bunch of these centuries we call them centuries, hundred mile rides. Um, we had we had a we had a small collection of these a number of years ago, and we realized at some point Beth realized actually that we could we could probably do this in every state. And uh, I, I think I dismissed that as a stupid idea, but um, that slowly grew on me. And uh, in twenty it, in twenty nineteen, after I retired, um, we were up to thirty two states, and we realized we're, we're not getting any younger. So we hopped in the van. Did a cross-country trip and uh, managed to knock off 17 more states over the over a seven-week period, all the, out to New Mexico, up to Washington, and all the way across both sides. And that left only Hawaii. That's the only one we couldn't drive to. So we uh, so we hopped in a plane in November, flew to Kona, and uh, 
road, part of the, what's called the Ironman route, for those who are familiar with that, that event that they hold every year in Hawaii. Um, we put a little twist on it, though. We decided coming back, we didn't want to do the flat shore route, so we rode up and over the side of a volcano. And uh, the 40-mile-an-hour the winds that we experienced were uh, just sort of added an exclamation point to the, to, the, to the last day of the last ride. So that was kind of neat. Kona's on the west coast of the Big Island of Hawaii. So what do you get for doing 100 miles in every state? Is there some kind of a trophy or a patch you get for that? Yeah, well, my wife pulled up to the car, uh, stopped, said she wasn't feeling well and vomited. So that was that was the end of the, the 50, 100-mile um, ride. That's a medal of honor. No, no trophy, just that. <laughs> John, you've been involved in a new group called the Hop River Trail Alliance that has brought together representatives from the seven towns on the trail from Willimantic to Manchester to work with DEEP on trail-related issues of mutual interest. What are some of those factors you're working on, and what's the progress? Yeah, I'm so, I'm so glad you asked this question. Um, I, had been a, I had been a member of a group, uh, grassroots gro- uh, group up in Bolton called Bike Walk Bolton that was interested in both pedestrian and bike activity in the Bolton area. Um, and the focus on that has really been largely the, the, uh, the Hop River Trail as it goes through the, the Bolton Notch area up there. But we realized at some point that the, the, the way the trail is managed, both the Hop River and the airline trails, they're, they're owned and operated by the Department of Energy and Environmental Protection, DEEP. And it's a very it's a it's a strange relationship. The DEP manages and owns the town, but it manages man, owns and largely manages the trail. But they can't do it without the help of the municipalities along the way. Willimantic's one of those, obviously, and and uh, Coventry, Coventry, and Andover, and Columbia, and so on, all the way out to Manchester. We we looked at what we were able to do in Bolton, working with the DEP and realized that it made sense to try to coordinate the efforts of all of the towns along the Hop River Trail route between Willimantic and Manchester. So instead of each town talking to the DEP independently and coming up with ideas, wouldn't it make sense to have all of us working together and talking to the DEP and planning for the entire trail as one rather than as independent little segments? So that was the, that was the genesis of the discussion. And about uh, four or five weeks ago, we managed to pull together, and when I say we, it's just a grassroots group of a few of us, a few of us schlubs that aren't associated with any town or with the DEP directly, but we pulled together um, both the DEP representative as well as one or two or three representatives from each of the towns along the route, including including, um, Willimantic, which has both the airline and the Hop River Trail coming through it. Great meeting. Um, everybody in the everybody in the in the room much more that it was a good idea to have such a group. There was much more that we could do. We've got big long term goals such as forming a five hundred one c three nonprofit organization that can actually pursue grant money at the end of the day to try to try to get some try to get some some done. The Hop River Trail is a great resource today. It's a great it's a great trail to ride on. But there's so much more we could do with with signage and history markers and a, a better surface and uh, many many things. And last Friday, I had on UConn student Samit Kadian, who's working with his UConn 
student Rob Avina about putting lights inside the Hop River Trail tunnel at Bolton Notch. Number one, talk about how important that is. And number two, you work with him, and you were very impressed with how good those two guys were. Yeah, um, many of us, any any of your listeners that have been through the tunnel at Bolton Notch will recognize that it's a a long dark tunnel. You can see, you can just about see the the two ends, but once you're in that tunnel, um, it's dark and it's and it's a little sketchy in that there's ditches on both sides of the trail. The trail surface isn't perfectly smooth. Um, and it is certainly possible to find yourself in the ditch or on the ground, and um, that, or, or in, in a collision with another cyclist. So, we've recognized for years that that's a safety concern, and it, and and probably an impediment for many people um, who aren't interested in going to a long, in in through a long dark tunnel. So, we've been pushing for a while to get lights in that tunnel, but haven't been quite sure how to do it. And we were approached by a program at UConn that matches. Um, matches students with projects out there in the real world. Um, you can think of it as a sort of a little bit of an internship. It's, it's not exactly that because the students are more self-guided. And they came to us and asked whether we had any projects that um, the students could work on, and we said, we got a great one. Have, have your students figure out whether it's feasible to put lights in the tunnel and how it would be done. We did that partly as a we wanted that done partly as a demonstration to DEP that it could get done. Um, there didn't seem to be a lot of momentum at the state to get it done. Um, so we, we saw this as a real mechanism to raise the profile of that project. Um, so Samit and Rob, two of the most uh, driven, smart, inspirational, and, and undauntable um, students I'd ever seen, um, to see... Two freshmen in college sit down in a room with 20 people, including government officials and town officials and so on, and essentially lead a discussion about uh, a feasibility study um, kind of blew my doors off. And uh, hats off to them because they, you know, at the end of the day, they came up with a 30-page report. Um, we, we work with them on that a little bit, but they only needed a little of our guidance because once once. Once they knew what the project was and, and what, they, what the end result needed to be, um, they were off and running. And they were fearless as far as talking to town representatives and people at the state and, uh, and people in the lighting industry and, and so on. They, they got it figured out. They put something solid together. Um, they were able to present that to the state, and the state looked at that. And I think the state was inspired, frankly, when they looked at it. And... Uh, they, that that feasibility study kicked off a design project. Um, that that lighting system is now fully designed by a engineering company the state retained. They are in they're in final um, final revision process, and uh, I expect that lighting system to get built in the next year or so. Um, hard to hard to pin down an exact schedule, but it's uh, the train's on the tracks and it's going to get to the station. John, really good information on a lot of fronts today. Thanks for joining me this morning. Okay. You have a great day. And that's John Hankins talking about things going on on the rail trails and the East Coast Greenway on 14 WILI Willimantic and 95.3 FM.